Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I just want to go over what we're going to talk about now. So, and hopefully I'm explaining this properly. I will ask our guest when I'm done. But I don't know how many people are truly familiar with this next story. Even though it has received um, international attention, and it's Canadian, April Hutchinson is a Team Canada female power weightlifter from London, Ontario. Ms. Hutchinson has been very vocal about a transgender powerlifter setting new records for competitions in the sport at the 2023 Western Canadian Championship Female Masters Unequipped category. The transgender athlete is Anne Andrus, a biological male who identifies as a woman, and lifted a final score of 597 kilograms, that's over 200 kilograms more than her closest opponent. April Hutchinson argues Andrus' victory establishes, quote, records which will never be broken by a woman. The Canadian Powerlifting Union's Gender Self-Identification Trans Inclusion Policy, announced earlier this year, allows athletes to compete with the gender they self-identify with versus biological birth. Now, Ms. Hutchinson and other female athletes wrote letters of objection to the CPU, and some female weightlifters dropped out of the competition because of Anne Anders' participation. The International Powerlifting Federation has now given its Canadian counterpart an ultimatum, declaring the CPU must align with IPF rules on transgender competitors and provide government-issued ID with their gender identity. Meanwhile, this is interesting. You might not have expected this. The International Chess Federation announced transgender women are barred from competing in official events for females until an assessment of gender is made by officials. I just want to say this as well. A number of years ago, there was a transgender teacher in Alberta um, transitioned from female to male. And that teacher lost his job because of that transition. And for the life of me, it made no sense why that teacher was not able to keep his job. I didn't think the sexual, um, uh, the, the, uh, uh, transgender aspect of of the teacher's life would, in fact, create a, an inappropriate situation in the classroom. Anyway, they went to court a number of times. We talked to the teacher many times. April, how are you? Hi, Roy. I'm good. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Did I did I describe your situation and what's going on properly? Yeah, basically that was exactly um, what's been going on. Uh, I don't know if you did mention that the IPF policy in which um, the CPU has to align with, it is based on testosterone monitoring. So not only do you have to declare that you are transgender um, and also go through testing, you do have to follow the monitoring for a couple of years before competing. 
Okay. You, you, you felt that Canadian media wouldn't cover your story, your, your, your situation, yes? Oh, I've been, I've been praying for Canadian media to, uh, to interview me. Um, I think Rebel News was only a Canadian media outlet that actually touched on the topic. But no, you're, you're the first, Roy. Well, I'm glad to talk to you. But let me ask you, first of all, if I may, what your overall sense is of transgender athletes participating in sports. Well, overall, 100%, I don't believe it's fair. Um, sports is for bodies and biology. Uh, they're categorized for a reason into male and female. So I, I don't agree with it. Majority do not agree with, um, I guess I will say, uh, trans-identifying males in female sports. Let me ask you this. How much training do you do weekly? What does it consist of, April? I mean, I, I used to train more maybe a couple of years ago, but it used to be about five times a week. Um, and it's not just the training. It's also the lifestyle. It's pretty much a 24-7, uh, I guess, not a career, but, you know, nutrition and sleep goes along with it. Uh, right now I'm training about three or four times a week. And then, again, the, the sleep and nutrition goes along with it. It's very much a lifestyle. Um, you know, I do give up a lot of uh, family obligations and, you know, dates with my boyfriends or going on vacation because of my training. Yeah, because I want to get a sense of how hard you work at this because it's not just going and lifting weights in the gym until you get a few more pounds and a few more pounds or kilos, and then all of a sudden you're in competition and you go and train a little bit. This is, this is dedicated, hard work. Um, so, so it's nutrition, it's, it's training and it's consistent and it's tough work. Yes. Yeah. I think consistency is the key for sure. Um, but I mean, it's not just going into the gym and going, Oh, I want to get toned. I want to lose some weight. It's hitting, trying to hit PRs, uh, on a regular basis and, and, you know, watching your numbers go up, mm -hmm. uh, and to be an elite athlete, you need to maintain that. Um, I know for myself, if I take three weeks off, my numbers go all the way back down. So you do have to. That's why I'm saying there's a lot of stuff I've sacrificed just to yeah. keep up with the, the training. Tell us a bit about what you've accomplished as a Team Canada powerlifter. So as a Team Canada powerlifter, uh, last year I did go to Worlds for the first time. They were in uh, St. John's, Newfoundland, actually. Of all places, I went to Canada <laughs> for, for Worlds, um, and I got fourth place there. Um, I also went to North American Championships last year, and I just came back, actually, this year. And I got some gold last year, silver this year, and I have the North American deadlift record. Congratulations. Thank you. But you say that regardless of how hard you train, regardless of how dedicated you um, make your life, to this pursuit of as much perfection or perfection in, in your particular disciplines of weightlifting, you cannot possibly reach the numbers, the totals of kilos lifted by someone who is biologically male, is a power lifter, but identifies as a woman. You cannot do that. Yes? It's next to impossible. I mean, with powerlifting alone, I mean, each sport is different. A male will have, at the very minimum, a 60% advantage over a female. So, I mean, I could train and train. I mean, there's people, I mean, there's athletes that I know that have been, I mean, world champions, uh, females, that have been training for 10 years or more that still haven't hit the numbers that, um, the, that Anne has hit. 
So, I mean, that's, you know, I will never break those records. I will never obtain those records. You know, not that I was really going for them, but a biological female will never hit those records that Ann took on two weeks ago. Yeah, and you're not alone as far as female athletes are concerned who are speaking out against um, um, trans people, athletes participating in, in women's sports. Uh, Riley Gaines, a uh, um, very successful swimmer in, in the United States, is uh, speaking out. Uh, it's an increasing issue among women in sports. How, how, talk to us a bit about that. Yeah, actually, Riley Gaines and I became good friends for all of this. Um, at a time when I started speaking out, which was over a year ago, I was very alone in my fight. Um, I was kind of writing letters to the Federation. I was being ignored. So I knew I needed to get a bigger platform. So I actually reached out to uh, NCAA swimmer Marcy Smith. She's the head of icons who have helped Riley Gaines and other athletes. Um, uh, you know, I don't know if you've heard of Inga Thompson, the cyclist that had to go through all those numerous um, competitions against uh, trans-identifying males, losing prize money. Uh, so, I mean, they came and kind of helped me, kind of swooped me up in their arms and, like, carried me through this and gave me a bigger platform and said, you know what, you just focus on your training, April. And, you know, they got me a lawyer and, I mean, they just took care of everything for me. Um, I still was very vocal, but, I mean, um, they did help me a lot in the fact that I didn't feel alone because, you know, if you feel alone, you kind of get scared and timid, right? But if you have an army behind you, you're going to be more vocal. So, um, yeah, no, it, it's been great, and it's been increasing. I mean, many, many members of the CPU are with me. We have a couple athletes, actually, that competed against Anne that, was, well, I guess they were supposed to, but they actually dropped out. They actually wrote the Federation. They said, look, it, this is completely unfair. I do not want to compete against Anne at this uh, Western Regional. This is one of the things, that, one of the points that have been made. I received a, a number of emails after... Uh, I put on Twitter, posted on Twitter that I'd be speaking with you today. And uh, the suggestion was made or the question was asked, why do women athletes then not just en masse walk away from meets, not participate in meets? And maybe that'll drive the point home with their governing federations. It's, uh, it's a question I saw a number of times. What do you think about that? So that's the, I hear that every day. I'm sure you Probably, do, yeah. That's actually um, probably one of our not biggest pet peeves that we hear, but People think it's just so easy to train your butt off and then just go, oh, I'm just going to walk away from this competition. Um, now, powerlifting, it doesn't work with powerlifting because it's an individual sport. We have hundreds and hundreds of members in the CPU alone. So, I mean, even if myself and four other lifters didn't show up and Anne competed and showed up, Anne would still take gold medal and would still break records. And would still go to nationals. I mean, it doesn't affect Anne. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing. It's not a team event. It's not like a rugby team or, um, you know, a hockey team, something like that. So it really doesn't affect powerlifting. And you have to keep in mind, too, there are people that support Anne. You know, um, oh, I'm sure. We saw, yeah. yeah, we saw that at nationals. Um, there was, you know, of course, there's going to be people that support it because, um, you know, someone might have um, a transgender grandchild. You know, you don't know how it affects them in their lives. Yeah, it's not a simple. It's not a simple issue in the in the big picture. Exactly. It's not a simple issue. Yeah, it affects everyone differently, and and at the end of the day, uh, Roy, we we want everyone to lift. I want and to lift. I want everyone to lift. Uh, trans athletes, um, 
females, males. Um, it's just that it needs to be on a fair, even, uh, like a fair field, right? So what we had asked initially was for a separate category, um, you know, but then, you know, the IPF came in and obviously, obviously the testosterone monitoring has been around for years. Other federations are using it. It does not discriminate against Anne because Anne just has to follow the policy and get tested and pass. And then that's it. Yeah, I, I believe I read earlier today that a cycling association in Europe, I think it's called Waffle Cycling. I'm not sure what that is, but um, mm. they have uh, special events or they have three events. And I just read it in a cursory manner. I'd have to read it in more detail, but it seems that they're approaching it from that perspective. You know, we'll have uh, different events for different people and uh, different groups. Uh, I'm not, I don't want to get in too far into this because I don't know enough about it. What do you, uh, what do you want to see take place, April? Is the IPF policy satisfactory? It's not a hundred percent. You know, this week I was very happy to hear the steps forward. I mean, it's not perfect, but it's definitely an improvement. I was talking to the president of the IPF the other day, and I just said, you know, thank you so much for for stepping in and protecting women because my federation literally was doing nothing. I don't know how many people wrote in. And, you know, I, I don't want to bash them at all because I, I do feel like their hands were tied, and they probably, I mean, it's a very sensitive topic. Yes, it is. If you say one thing, like, I mean, I've been called many names just for sticking up and trying to ask for fair sports, right? And it, and it hurts for sure. Cause I know who I am. I know I'm a good person. I care deeply about everyone. I'm very compassionate. Um, but when it comes again, when it comes down to sports, it's just a separate thing. Right. Um, so it's not perfect, but I did think the IPF, I said, you know, I think down the road they'll have to revisit and, maybe tweak it again or make it make it a little bit more strict, but it's definitely improvement. And, you know, I think I said that in my interview the other day, the policy change means more to me than any gold medal that I could get. So, yeah, I mean, you have, you have one goal. Tell us about your events, please. What do you do? So, um, I mean, <laughs> I usually have about two or three competitions a year and any powerlifter at that level should probably have no more than three because uh, it does take a lot out of you. Um, but, yeah, my first competition was in 2022, which was Nationals. And that's when I got the gold medal at Nationals, which qualified me for the world in St. John's. Right. So, so what, are, what are the events that you do, though? What are the events? What, uh, what are the lifts that you do? So the powerlifting events or competitions it consist of three lifts. So you start off with the squat. And you'll do, you'll do three squats, and then whatever your highest number is from those three attempts will be added in a total at the end. Mm -hmm. And then you go on to bench press, and then you go on to deadlift, and that's how you get your total in the end with your best lift in each lift. Okay, so if you're doing your very best, and you set personal bests, set records, win gold medals, but you set your you do personal bests, and you say, no matter what I do, I cannot compete against this fellow competitor under the situation we're dealing with, I can understand how that would be a very difficult situation for you to, uh, to deal with. Um, so what next? What's next for you? Well, going back to what you just said there, I just want to, I do want to say it, it does, it has affected my mental health greatly and it does affect the mental health of the women. Um, just 
I guess, going to competitions and knowing, like, hey, I'm going to lose. You're kind of set up for failure, right? Um, so for me, I mean, these, these last few years of just dealing with this and, and speaking out and, you know, having a little bit of backlash, um, ask my boyfriend. <laughs> I probably lost a lot of sleep in the last two years. So it's been very stressful, and which has affected my training and which affects my eating and my nutrition, right? So I just want to put that out there that uh, people think of the... They shouldn't think of the physical and the mental aspect of it all. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.